Welcome back to The Overlap. My name is Elias Techley, and I'm joined here again with my friend, Rion. Rion, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm actually really, really, I was pretty wet because uh, I <laughs> I came from uh, my job, and naturally, oh, yeah. it wasn't raining at all while uh, I was at the office and on the train. And um, as soon as I hop off the train, I'm just getting doused and... Uh, as you would guess, I did not bring a jacket to work today Classic. at all. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. why would you? Yeah, yeah. I, it's not like you, you know, ever check the weather, you know, or ask me what the weather's going to be like in the morning. Or no, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I the phone should be enough, but... Sure, yeah, yeah. if you want to go off that. How's that been treating you? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you, know, you know the thing that I've actually learned from being at home so much this summer? Yeah. Um, I'm starting to learn that when it's really humid, it's probably going to rain soon. Yeah, that is a that is a very common telltale of uh, a thunderstorm. I'm glad it took you 22 years to figure that out. Well, you know, we move at our own pace. I'm pretty proud. But... <laughs> yeah, you age like fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, yeah. I mean, you've been working. I've been chilling. I literally, yeah. I I just came back from IKEA. I had a ton of stuff to to get for moving up to. Uh, the Big Apple in a couple of days, actually a little over a week yeah, now. Um, the big man. So we're going to be up there in a little bit starting work. So yeah. I mean, you have longer, but it, it, moving in general just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You did your Ikea trip? Yeah. No, it was terrible. I, I went and thought I could fit like one item. It was like a futon in my car, uh, which apparently is just not big enough at all for a futon. So they, I, I thought it was, was going to be like broken down, but no, they just, they handed me the whole thing like almost fully assembled i was like dude i can't wait i didn't think they even did that <laughs> what? yeah I, I i don't know it was only this big thing i was like uh we, we have a problem and i was like can you deliver it and they're like yeah it's gonna be 200 dollars." i was like you're joking the futon itself was like 90 bucks like this is ridiculous so i ended up having to get another car it was a whole thing but that's yeah, yeah. i mean time how are you supposed to bond with a friend or relative over your hatred of swedish products and building them <laughs> if they don't give it to you broken down I mean, I yeah of course no that, that, that defeats the purpose of ikea yeah honestly they're building relationships here no they're just uh building stress and a lot of anxiety because that's going to be the next week and a half but yeah. we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about a little bit of european football today um today we have a lot going on we're going to talk about the community shield that just wrapped up this past weekend against or with Liverpool and Manchester City. Uh, no surprise who won there or was there. Well, I mean, um, it, was, it was penalties, to be fair. It was penalties, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the game itself was really interesting, but we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Manchester City, obviously, though, winning on penalties um, with. Uh, goals from, I believe, it was Raheem Sterling and. Virgil van Dijk had an assist, right? Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, this is for this for the uh, Liverpool goal. It was pretty good. It was. Uh, I would expect nothing less from him, honestly. That's true. That's true. Well, after the Community Shield, we'll wrap that up and talk about the first weekend of games in the Premier League, which is fast approaching in just a couple of days. Now, at the time of recording, but. By the time you guys listen, it might be the day of or possibly even the day after Friday, um, the first match of the Premier League season between Liverpool and Norwich. First matchup of the weekend, though, that we want to talk about is going to be United-Chelsea. But before that, Rion, Community Shield, top two, 
two best teams in England. What were your thoughts? Two best teams in England. This game uh, usually doesn't mean shit. Um, in general, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, this literally counts for zero points and usually sucks. This game actually usually <laughs> sucks. But it's a trophy, though. It's yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Mourinho did add this in as one of his trophy, as one of his uh, like quadruples that he won that year when he had yeah, won like the Community yeah. Shield, the League Cup, the FA Cup, and like the um, and the Europa League. So you know, invincibles, of course. <laughs> but uh, no, I think there's uh, there's not much to talk about at all. Honestly, the game was actually pretty good. Um, that was a pleasant surprise. The teams really, really cared about beating each other each other and they should those these are two teams that are going to be fighting for the title they're like like we talked about before you think they're the two best teams in the country uh by a bit um so i don't have any real analysis on this game uh but i do i did take a couple notes during it um i think this was rodri's first big game that he's played in for city obviously because it was the first competitive one um He was the only player on the entire field of 22, 22 players who had his uh, shirt tucked in. So he looked like kind of a herb. Um, yeah. that, that He's was, tall too, so he yeah. kind of looks like a basketball player. He looked weird. He looked weird. He looks not good. When you ever have your shirt tucked in, you don't look like you're good. You look really unattractive. Whoa, whoa. Eight-year-old me has uh, has the opposite yeah, reaction. No, no, no. That, that's it. But, like, you look on the pitch and there's no one else with the shirt tucked in. He looks Yeah, weird. no, for sure. Weird. I know, I know. Yeah. also love that uh, the narrative, uh, Martin Tyler. Martin Tyler was very weird announcing in this game. Um, I think yeah, he's, I, think I, mean, he's I really haven't heard his voice a lot recently. Yeah, I think he's losing it a little bit. He's he's already he's already started the narrative that I I love this particularly though he's already started the narrative that Rodri doesn't pass forward. He said like two or three times how Rodri was passing sideways and backwards. So I, I'm hoping that narrative keeps going for the rest of the season. Well, that well, okay. To be fair, <laughs> I, I actually I understand what he's saying with that. But if he actually understood what Rodri's role was, then he'd have a totally different opinion or at least perception of why he was doing that yeah right? yeah right right playing 4d chess he's gunning for the uh the city job once once pep leaves yeah yeah but tyler tyler was yeah weird that game he's, he talked about like how uh said something about how uh var and um goal line technology are on kind of the same level even though goal line technology can literally never be wrong it's not <laughs> by people <laughs> Like, <laughs> he, he talked about goal line technology like it was like something that you could actually be objective about yeah subject, subjective about like, subjective uh, about for sure yeah um what else do i have here uh oh yeah I mean, I we learned VR that pretty, pretty no no we learned that kyle but... walker is officially going bald he yeah. shaved <laughs> off completely and you can tell i think it looks good though i actually don't think he looks that bad he looks like pep he does kind of look like Pep. That is true. I mean, mostly just because they're both light skinned. But like, <laughs> he, he he's going bald. That's how we know now. He's shaving it, and you can yeah. tell in the middle. It's it's gay. I don't know if he's gonna go away in Rooney and just plug it all, but we'll see. No, I, I don't think he will. But I can see Pep, Kyle Walker, and Leroy Sané joining the uh, light skinned crew with uh, Jordan Sancho. Yeah. Over yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you. You definitely had a. Yeah, a I'll couple have, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have, yeah. I will. I will have some thoughts on that when we do our when we uh, talk about transfers for sure. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I, I think like the fans in the stadium cared a lot, which makes sense because these two teams are like, like they they should start to hate each other at some point. <laughs> if I saw something on uh, on Twitter, I think today, and someone was asking, "Do you think that um, the Manchester City Liverpool quote unquote rivalry?" is just as good as the Classico, uh, to which I oh. closed Twitter and shut my phone Come off. On. I mean, uh, yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's blasphemous. Yeah, but I, again, it's they're two of the best teams. They play incredible, incredible football. It's amazing to watch. Um, and, the, and the final, it felt like a cup final. It felt really, it was really entertaining. I think both both teams had waves of really good spells. Yeah. Um I think City in the first half looked like exactly where they had left off at the end of the season. I think that was the the biggest takeaway for them, honestly. Regardless of the fact that they won, they looked like a fresh side that were ready and prepared to to start on the very, very right foot. And hopefully they learned some of their lessons from the middle of last season where they started to slack off. Um, and we saw Liverpool at the top of the table come around Christmas time. Yeah. Right, so. I think I think that was the biggest takeaway. And for for Liverpool, they they had their moments too. Um, they didn't look as fresh. Then again, they didn't also have a one hundred percent full squad. I understand that, um, but they they still looked really good. Yeah, there's more to come from them for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, with that, we're gonna go ahead and move on to the number one highlighted match of the weekend. Our been match, on people's our match of the weekend. Our match of the week. Yeah, this is our match of the weekend. It's been on people's calendars for uh, for a while, uh, ever since the Premier League schedule for this season came out. The Red Devils against your beloved Blues. How are you feeling uh, ahead of kickoff? Um, so, you know, today we learned the news that Pavel uh, Luiz is perhaps trying to force his way out um, to go to Arsenal. Yeah, I don't, I don't really get that one, but yeah. that's so, <laughs> that's a, for another time. So I'm really interested in what the center back lineup is going to be there. Um, I'm going to guess it's probably Christensen and oof, Rudiger's not going to be able to play. He's still injured. Um, I think it might end up I've being – I probably forgot Rudiger played yeah, for Chelsea. Yeah, I, yeah, he I, hasn't – yeah, he had an injury at the end of the last season, uh, yeah. so he may not play this weekend. Um, so it might be like Christensen and Zuma, which would uh, which would make me slightly <laughs> nervous. Not, <laughs> I like Christensen. Did, did you have a good season though? Last season on loan because I, I beforehand when was, I watched him at Chelsea, I thought he was great. No, he did, no, 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 he he did he did a pretty. I think he was he was one of Everton's best defenders for sure. Um, yeah, that's not I mean, saying much. Yeah, that's not saying much. Yeah, they conceded a fair amount of goals. Um, right. I think those two players might be uh, all right to go up this weekend because um, United is just is a lot of pace, and those are two pretty quick guys. Uh, well, Chris is not super quick, but he's not slow. He's, he's faster than their other options. So, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think in terms of defending, there's still a lot of question marks on that side. I think for Chelsea um, at right back, where has been the only consistent position for the last like four years, pretty much. Yeah, um, Espelicueta, who's consistently been one of the three best right backs in the league for 
the last four or five years. I'm really surprised he hasn't left Chelsea to go to to Spain or something like that. Genuinely, I, I was surprised in the last couple of years because I thought he was one of the best right backs over yeah, the last I five mean, years or so. I feel like I mean I don't I don't know I don't you can tell me but like what team I, I could see maybe like a team like Atletico Madrid. Yep, who would really try hard to get to get him? But is that necessarily? Uh, that's not really a step up for him. Like I can't imagine. I can't imagine like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid going after him because he's not that type of player. He's not. He's right. He's, all, he's a great defender, and um and pretty pretty mediocre attacking wise. So um, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he would be someone that stands out for those teams. That make that no, I, I agree. I, I think you, you said it exactly. I think Atletico would have been the perfect team for him. Yeah. Uh, but they obviously went out and got a different Englishman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that Marcus Alonso would have been a better option for Barcelona, Real Madrid, maybe a couple of years ago yeah. um, on the other side of the, the fullback position. But then again, I think it's really hard for Chelsea to let go of those two players because they're, they're, pretty much i think arguably two of the four most important players at the club alonzo uh, alonzo and Aspilicata, I, I, yeah. I think i think i think the left back is a really important position i think um that is the weakest position on the team um in my opinion um alonzo great going forward um he has a tough time against very quick players though that's the difference between him playing left back and him playing left wing back as he did the year that they won with uh Conte is just massive because he had the cover of that uh left sided center back in that season right so when right that's true you know he's not he's not he's not fast he's not quick right yeah so so getting back is really hard if um if that center back is not there, right? If that left center back is not there, if if uh, he's going out, left center back is David Luiz. Then yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like if if it's if it's not the left side of like a three, if it's if it's the left side of a two, now that guy comes over, and now we're opening up space in the middle. We're opening up space uh, along the back line, right? Unless your uh, center mids are really disciplined to cover that space. Um, yeah, which which. Conte at his Conte is, can but, do he can do, but right. Um, but I think that's still a position. That's a position that I know if they were, did not have the ban, they that's something they would have addressed this year, a hundred percent. For so, sure. So left back is still a bit of a question mark, um, and coming up against United, a team with a lot of pace, that's going to be an area that might get exploited. Um, but United coming at left back that would be Luke Shaw right so that's someone's a lot yeah. of pace and just generally during the preseason they've been playing um basically like uh 4-4-2 but like a diamond like a 4-3-1-2 I guess right right um so that's they're, they're not going to be as much I guess width in terms of midfield but I would expect like someone like Lingard who's been playing a lot in preseason um he's probably going to occupy those wide areas, especially the area on uh, Alonzo's side, right? Yeah, well, we we talked a little bit about this on the last pod about the Manchester United front two or front three, depending on what they go with, but who would be 
the front two or three that you would be most afraid of uh, facing Chelsea or starting uh, this weekend? It would be it would be some combination of of Rashford, Martial, and and Lingard. I think um, just because that's a lot of pace. Uh, yeah. and, and the thing is, I don't think United has really an option to go with much other than that up up front. I think they have to be a really good countering attacking team. I think that's how they're set up. I mean, not 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 in a bad yeah. way that they have to be like that, but that's the direction that they're going. Um, although Lukaku. Lukaku seems like someone who would have, who would be good on a counterattacking team because he's so big and, and pretty fast. But they're going well, he, when he was at Everton, it's, he seemed to be that right. exact type of profile, right. right? He seemed to be fitting the mold of someone you can put the ball over the top or put it into space, run onto it. He would body and one off, and then you have at least a chance. Yeah. Um, but then again, United have their own problems in even getting the ball forward. Yeah, so and that and that falls. In, yeah, and and that like falls into like a a more broad question that I have for like what, which Manchester United attack are we getting this season? You know, that the team that looked pretty mediocre by the end of the season or the one that looked really, really good in the middle, uh, in the middle of the season where it, Rashford was really, really good. And it seemed like Lingard was Lingard. And especially Martial was Martial was really seemed like he was getting confidence. Uh, you know, he's going to play a lot this season so if it doesn't work if it's not this season it's not ever for him right yeah he's he's already 26 now right yeah uh yeah i mean i feel like people look at him as a young player but he's fully in his prime now yeah no he this is like he's gotta he has to make good now absolutely yeah but at the same time i think i i don't see a situation which he say doesn't make good on his potential and then he's 23 he's so i mean but for soccer players he's 23 i mean for soccer players this is when he should start hitting his prime this is when he starts hitting his prime yeah yeah well he should at least be starting to to peak i don't know why i thought he's 26 but um no i just i don't see a situation which united sell him even if he doesn't play that well i feel like he's still part of the attacking core and he can still offer something going forward whether or not they sell him i i i just don't see it because they realistically have to bring in someone else that is better as the result of selling him and i don't see a player i.e see the whole dabala situation that would want to come united and try and fix that right yeah so i mean with those three guys which i think is going to be of their that's probably going to be their consistent three up top um they're relying a lot on the pace because as bad as uh Lukaku's touch is um (laughs) (laughs) he was he's not great at hold up play but he at least gives you a body to play the ball up to right um whereas Rashford is really good making runs in behind so there so it seems like they're going to rely a lot more on trying to break the line um, and play passes yeah. behind defenders. And I wonder um, how Chelsea will set up defensively because it seems like it just makes more sense to sit a little deeper when they have the ball because outside of Pogba, who is the creative force in their midfield? Yeah, there there really isn't anyone else. You would think that bringing in someone like Bruno Fernandes would have done that yeah, from uh, you know Portuguese league, but... It doesn't look like that's even going to go through. So you have 
I guess it was Matic, Matic, right? Matic has been playing and has played um, with Pogba in the midfield uh, during preseason, as well as uh, McTominay. But those are both the guys who are holding mids or more like, yeah, more defensive midfielders, uh, big guys, not necessarily known for their creativity. Um, There's Pereira. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he starts in this game. Um, I don't know. There, I, I think there's a little lack of creativity. I think in their in their midfield. There. Um, yeah, that's definitely. I mean, that's that's down to the fact that they have had a lot of transfer issues with uh, <laughs> with trying to recruit players that simply just yeah. don't want to end up coming. I think they could um, play Mata. They could play Mata, but then that feels if you're playing Mata, Lingard, Martial. And Rashford, it feels like you're giving up a little something um, defensively. Yeah, yeah, that's also true. Well, we'll see what kind of United show up on Sunday. What's your Um, prediction? I have a feeling that this is going to go Chelsea's way. Um, I don't always like saying that, obviously, (laughs) but I I do end up, or I do think this is going to end up being something like a 3 1 type scoreline in favor of Chelsea. So I can, I can definitely see them based on preseason form, based on the players that they have um, combined with the fact that United haven't really impressed me as of late. Um, I, I would be surprised to see them squeak out even a point against Chelsea. So we'll see what happens, think, but congratulations on my prediction. Yeah, no, I think uh, I'd be, I'd be ecstatic if they were able to score three goals in their first game. Um I think the attack, there's not much for me to believe that um, they're going to be able to click very early, like in this first game against United. Um, I have, you know, like I have reservations on what's going to happen in terms of the striker position. Um, And perhaps that's not going to be as important in the style that they play with Lampard. Maybe, Maybe it'll be something more reliant on the midfielders to create chances and kind of the um, attack or the striker to be there to link up play and maybe just finish off really easy chances and not necessarily be, uh, be relied upon as much as like some of the better strikers in the league are. Right. So. Right. That's, that's actually exactly what I can, I can see happening and I can see a lot of forward movement from the midfield. Um, my only fear is kind of what you were talking about earlier is how much space you leave behind them for United's pace to get in, in behind, um, which might be a, an issue of how much possession you can keep, how much ball you can keep away from United, yeah. um, which I think Chelsea are capable of doing, which is why at the end of the day, I can, I can genuinely see them scoring yeah. three goals in the first yeah, game. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to go with the draw, but I think if uh, Ross Barkley has played really, really well, he's been really good in the preseason so far. looks just, he was, I, I he did not like him a lot last season. Um, he, I thought, he was, really, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. They started him on my birthday against City uh, when they lost six one, and I just knew from the minute I saw the starting lineup that was going to go horribly. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I think uh, it seems at least from the preseason that he's a little less in his head as he was last season. I, I just really don't feel like he, um quite understood what sorry wanted him to do he played really safe last season as did a lot of guys and this uh summer he's 
seemed to have uh, actually tried to be a lot more creative than he did last season. So I think if he plays really, really well, then they win the game. Uh, then, uh, yeah, they win the game. But uh, I'm going to go with the draw. I'm going to guess it's probably 1-1. Um, I think there's a lot of question marks between both of these teams very early. I think these teams will take a little while to get to get going, in all honesty. So. Well, conservative prediction, but also very fair. Um, with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and we'll be back with the Liverpool-Norwich matchup as well as the West Ham-Manchester City matchup. We are back for the next segment on today's pod. Going to be talking about the Liverpool-Norwich game first. That's the first game of the Premier League season. How do you feel, Rian? Um, I I mean, I I don't think Norwich has beaten Liverpool at Anfield since, like, I don't know, Winston Churchill was <laughs> still alive. <laughs> I mean, um <laughs> No, really, I mean, really going for him. All right. No, no, no. I mean, um, let's start with the Liverpool side. Um, we they looked they looked pretty good. They looked pretty damn good this past uh, Sunday. So um, it's all about whether is Salah and Mane are they both playing this game? I, I would expect Salah to start, considering that he started in Community Shield and um, he looked pretty fit during that game. Uh, Mane still has not played in preseason, and I can't imagine that they that uh, he starts on Friday. Probably is on the bench, um, but he's still coming back from uh, Afcon, and so it's all how much time will he get? Will he get? Will they get the opportunity to play him the last maybe fifteen, twenty minutes, fifteen minutes or so? I guess to um, just try to get some fitness back. Uh, I think. Especially if they're up at that point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. The only way. Yeah, I would say that's the only way. Um, I'm, or if they're down. I mean, if they're down, they probably also throw them in. I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, I, that's very fair. Yeah, I, I think uh, center back. This I have a question on who they're who's going to start next to uh, Van Dyke because we saw Gomez start off in the Community Shield next to him. Yeah, and then at the end of the game, um, when they were making the subs, Gomez moved out to right back. And uh, Matip came in and played next to uh, Van Dyke. Now, I I would guess that I mean he that, scored a goal too, so yeah, that's count for something. Yeah, um, and I would guess that Lovren's probably not going to be one of the guys that starts next to uh, Van Dyke because uh, he just he didn't play at all in that game. So I, I guess those yeah. are the two guys. Those are the two guys that yeah. they're going to be choosing between. So. Um, I guess we'll see on that. That's a that's a question for me, but I don't think don't think that it'll end up um, being a, that much of a detriment on whether Gomez or Matip starts next to them. Um, and then who's in their starting midfield three? Um, that's that's, that's going to be a good question too. Yeah, yeah, that's something that's interesting. To I, me. Do you have any thoughts on? Well, that? I, I think I think Henderson for sure starts. Um, okay. He started in. The community shield. I thought he actually yeah. had a, a really good game um, overall. Beyond that, I think it's I, – I, I don't know. I, I want to say that they have a good idea of who it's going to be now, and at least I can say, oh, it's going to be X, Y, and Z. But I really 
don't think like Fabinho started, Wadiyaldum started, but I I don't know if either of those two are going to even going to be consistent starters in a month time. Right. So I I don't know. I'm I'm very hesitant to say that Fabinho will will start or even Wadiyaldum for that matter. Yeah, I think I mean yeah, I th- I think they've with a healthy Fabinho and and a healthy Kaita, they've they've got more options now in in that center mid area, especially since they like to play a four three three. Um, yeah. So I I mean I think I think you're right. Henderson probably starts, um, and then I wonder how Ox shakes up uh, shapes up too because he yeah. I mean before his his crazy injury he was really good for Arsenal. Yeah, and and he was and he was good. At, he was good for Liverpool as well, too. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. This beginning of Liverpool's career was was pretty good before that before that injury. And he could play, and he showed that he can play in uh, center mid as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I'm really interested to see what what their combinations this season are for that three, uh, because you know, for the most part, they they don't expect a lot of creativity from their from their uh, three guys in the midfield there, and you know, th- those guys aren't necessarily known. Those guys aren't known for their creativity. So, uh, you know, as we talked about, like there, there's a lot of um, pressure put on the first, on the front three to create chances and stuff, as well as their, uh, their left back and right backs. So like their, their three guys in the midfield are really like what keep the, uh, their defense pretty solid. Right. That's that's yeah. The shape of their their midfield three is actually really important. Yeah. Um. Once once the ball gets into the attacking third, then it, you kind of almost take a step back and ball watching. Like, all right, Mosala can do his thing. Like, I yeah. I, I did my job almost. Yeah. But they're more like the support. They're the guys to keep recycling the possession when it comes back out for the most part. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that um, if I had to guess what a starting eleven uh, or I guess the three in the midfield would be. Um, I think that Henderson starts. I think Nabi Keita starts. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Wanyaldum starts over Ox just because he's still got to be eased back into the team. He, he barely played last season if at all, I really don't think. And I, I think that Wanyaldum, although I don't think he had a good game, um, I think he's probably a fitter option for Jurgen Klopp against a Norwich side who who's just been promoted. They don't, while they, they did really well in the championship, they adjusting back to the Premier League and the, the tenacity of the, the game, especially against a team that nearly won the league last season, is going to be very difficult for them. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with you. I think they go with the same three from the weekend. Really? Okay, so you think Fabinho starts over Keita? Yeah, yeah, I think I think they go the same three. I think I think it's Fabinho, Henderson, and um, and uh, all of them. Yeah, got it. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Well, I'm interested to see how, especially their midfield for the rest of the season ends up shaping up because I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be the same three um, in say a month's time. So, yeah. but it will be the same front three, and and they will, I'm sure, be firing on all c- cylinders by the time Friday rolls around because they are. Very hungry to, to score goals again and, and hopefully maybe get back up to the top of the table with the exception of Mane, who probably won't start. Yeah. Yeah, I think – but I think, uh, you know, we shouldn't – shouldn't uh, not to 
the beginning part I really discounted Norwich, but but they're not they're not a bad team. I mean they they won the championship last year, won ninety four points, scored ninety three goals. Well, for any for any Norwich uh, Norwich fans that are yeah. listening, uh, please don't go after Rion. No, no, no. You guys, yeah, I I think they're I think they're actually <laughs> good, but like they're playing they're playing like <laughs> one of like the three best teams in Europe. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they so they won the championship last season. Um, they scored 93 goals, which is the most since Bournemouth. Scored 99 in in 2014-15 uh, season, um, and they were actually very good away from home. They only lost twice all last season away from home. So you know the um oh, wow. and yeah and their and their lead striker last year uh, Timu uh, Puki want or scored 29 goals last season. He, he led the championship, and uh, then they That's have a right winger. yeah then they have a right winger. Called Emiliano Buendia, who finished second with assists with twelve. So, um, you know, the, he he could he's they playing the right wing, so he talent. could ex- yeah, so he could exploit he could exploit the space left by Robertson on the left side. Um, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, so I'm not going to say. I, so I think they can definitely score. I think they could end up scoring in this game. Um, you know, I I just don't don't think they'll don't think they'll be able to defend this Liverpool team. Although I would say. The interesting thing from the weekend was, um, man, Origi on the wing is just not effective at all. Um, they played him at. Really? Why do you say that? Well, it, it, just from literally from watching the game, <laughs> they played him on the left on the left wing. Yeah, well, fair. Um, <laughs> from on the left wing, and he was he was pretty invisible. Um, and, I mean, he's more of a like he's more of a central guy anyway right he's more of a central striker he's not he's not trust me i i I, like i said i i I (laughs) get flashbacks yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, no i trust me i I know about his uh, his central goal from the middle right (laughs) of course yeah well where else would he score score from from the left wing yeah so (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i I think i mean that i I don't think it'll ultimately uh be a massive interest but something to, to look at um if you know there's if there's a time when one of those three guys get injured um especially uh Mane on the left side playing a I think they're I think they're less um dangerous from that side um with Origi there yeah no that's very fair i i don't think that Origi will be a consistent starter. Obviously, I think those three will be reunited in a couple of weeks. Um, those three being Salah, Firmino, and Sané. But I still think that you can see the effect- effectiveness of Origi being not necessarily a super sub, but an extremely versatile player that you need for rotations. Because those that front three is not going to play every single game, both in the Champions League and the league and the cup game. So you need someone like him to, to stick around and put in 20, 25 games a season for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, what are your predictions for the first Premier league game of the season? Then uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool uh, three, nothing. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to actually, no, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> I'm going to say three, one, I'll give him a three, one. Um, I think Norwich gets a goal. But I, I think I think, right. I think it's three points from Liverpool. Pretty, I think it'll be pretty, um, pretty routine game for them. Yeah, no, I, I generally agree with the sentiment. The only thing I'll, for the sake of disagreement, instead of three one, I'm going to go with four one, 
because I think <laughs> that Liverpool have the potential to put away four goals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is a very straightforward game for Liverpool. First game of the season back, they looked fresh um, in the game against City. So I think it's very straightforward for them. But we'll see. All On right. to the Saturday game, which is West Ham against the Champions of England, the Manchester City, well, team. I really, I really thought I had like some sort of pneumatic I could go with, but whatever. I'm just gonna go with City because I, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, well, the champions of England are back. So who do you think even starts this game for City? Let's start off with that. Yeah, they. I mean, we've talked about it. They, they've got a lot of depth, so it's crowded in the midfield. Um, well, just looking from, I mean, the weekend they, Sonny got injured in that game, and you know who knows if he'll be on the team by. Saturday, right? Um, yeah, true. Um, but I, I, De Bruyne played and he was fantastic. So, and you know, like we talk, I think he's their most talented player. So, I, I think he plays. Rodri's been playing um, in a lot of their preseason games. He's been starting, so I would expect him to start again. Um, and I don't, who else played in that center mid? The, I would guess Aguero comes back for this game, right? Um, he was on the bench. He didn't come you in. Think so? I mean, I would, I would assume so. I mean, maybe maybe they still give him rest. Maybe they keep resting him. Um, you give him another week, especially coming from Copa America. But um, I would expect that either he or Jesus starts in the center in the uh, center forward role. We probably going to be Aguero. Yeah, that's right. I, um, I'm I'm going to guess it's going to be Aguero too. Um, just because this West Ham side has improved a decent amount over the the summer. And so I, I wouldn't put it past Pep to, to say, well, I want to get off on the, the right foot, right? And just start with the best 11 that I can. You know, there's nothing really else other than Premier League to focus on the first couple of weeks of the season. So why not put out the best 11 instead of just saying, you know, I'm going to play conservative because that's definitely not the way that he operates. Yeah. And I think in the back, um, we saw Otamendi start next to stones. Cause I, it seems like Laporte has a bit of an injury. So, I mean, he might get another week. Um, I don't, I don't think they're desperately needing him this week. So, yeah. um, I think we expect him to get another week. I think, um, on left back, we're probably getting Zinchenko again. They, you know, they just signed, uh, uh, Joao, Joao Cancelo from yeah from Juventus. I don't think he. I mean, you can't. You don't see him starting right away, right? I don't see him starting right away. But I, the one player I was not impressed with between both teams over the weekend was Zinchenko. Yeah, I think he made a lot of mistakes, yeah. and I think he. And this isn't based on just this game, but I think even last season he wasn't extremely consistent. Um, right. But that that was a, that was a that that's you know that position was a bit of a weakness for them right we we highlighted that in one of the the first pods that we did yeah. we talked about how that specific position wasn't their strongest and Cancelo is is a great signing for them yeah. and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about in the transfer roundup but adding him will will definitely give Zinchenko competition and heavy competition at that because I fully expect Cancelo to start in maybe a couple weeks time yeah I, I totally agree I totally agree. yeah. Well, West Ham, who finished 10th last season under Pellegrini, um, will have a nice reunion with uh, Manchester City for him as well. Um, yeah. What do you what do you think of or what do you make of 
West Ham and their chances against City this weekend? So, my biggest question with them well, will probably be the fact that they that you know they lost their leading scorer from last season, Arnautovic, going off to uh, China, getting yeah. probably getting paid just a stupid amount of money to have <laughs> fourteen people watch him play. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's only like ten more than uh, league. Ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's how many people watch outside of France, pretty much. Of, but, of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know they they replaced uh, him with the twenty five year old Sebastian Howler from uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, um, and then they also signed um, a La Liga player from last season, Pablo Fornals from yes. Real. You, you have uh, a couple thoughts on this guy? Oh, I love Pablo Fornals. It's so a quick background on him. So he played at Villarreal for only a couple seasons. Um, he is an extremely technical player. Um, the, the best player that I think, I guess, Premier League fans, I could sort of com- create a comparison for um, that might understand it would be some sort of David Silva slash Iniesta hybrid. Um, in terms of playing style. Um, but for him at Villarreal, um, I, I thought he was one of their best players. Unfortunately, Villarreal didn't do very well in La Liga. They finished 14th. Um, they struggled throughout the campaign. However, they did beat Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, one uh, nothing, courtesy of a goal from none other than, none other than Pablo Fornals himself. Um, and this past summer, he played in the under-21s with Spain and he scored two goals and and five appearances in which they uh, ended up going on to win uh, against Germany in the final. So Pablo Fornals himself, he's he's very much an attacking midfielder of sorts. But I think one of the most impressive parts about his game is that his defensive work rate is comparable to like a Bernardo Silva or like a Conte. Right? He he is a workhorse and he will spend all of his time running up and down the pitch, either trying to get the ball to the forward line or coming back to defend. Um, and I think that the way that he fits in at West Ham is in the middle of a, of a three in a four, two, three, one in sort of that number 10 role. Um, because he is, he's someone who's very technically gifted and has the vision to make slide through passes and see the channels and open up space like that. And so I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how him versus Lanzini matchup, because I do think that he has a potential to unseat Lanzini from that starting position, um, especially after the first couple of weeks and we see West Ham get into things. So I'm really excited for him at, at West Ham. Okay. Right. Well, I look forward to him. Um, yeah, they're in, they're very middle of the road team. Um yeah, very very middle of the road team. They they were not spectacular last season. They're yeah. mid table, um, for sure. I, I you know, I, I think I think we're both going for a city win this week. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I guess four. I'm gonna say four nothing. Um, four nothing. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's very fair. Yeah. I, I I was gonna go with three nothing, but um, I, I think that city keep a clean sheet. I think it's very straightforward, very similar to the Liverpool game. I can't really see him slipping up too much. Um, I wish West Ham the best of luck, but I, I don't see them getting out of this one with with one, two, three points. Yeah, the thing, and and like the thing with uh, this city team, especially like this rivalry I, that I, that I think we're seeing really uh, blossom here between Liverpool 
and uh, Man City so that, you know, they're, I think they're going to end up just really like looking at each other and trying to best one another in terms of like, let's say Friday that Liverpool wins three, nothing or four, nothing like those city players, they're going to look at that game and they're going to want to be even better. Right, they're gonna to want to show Liverpool that they're still yeah. a much better team, or not not much better. That they're still the better team out of the two of them. They're still the champions. Like, right, you, you saw just from the Community Shield that like these teams care a lot about beating each other. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. That they're gonna hopefully raise each other's levels. That's the same way that we saw last season. You know, where City every time that uh, Liverpool was putting up three points. At the end of the season, City had to do the same, and they really raised their game. Like we said, 14 games in a row to end the season. So, yeah. Um, I think, I think look out if, if Liverpool win like two by two or three goals on uh, Friday, City could come out and win by go <laughs> and try to, to absolutely bury West Ham early. So Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting for sure. Rian going with 4 nothing. I'm going with 3 nothing. I think it's very straightforward. Three points for City. Um, but good luck to West Ham in, in that one because they're going to need it. All right, guys. We are back with the last segment of this podcast. We're going to wrap up talking about the Tottenham Hotspurs Aston Villa matchup against a side that's been newly promoted via the playoff. And then we'll wrap up with Arsenal versus Newcastle United. So Tottenham has been pretty busy this transfer window. Um, mm-hmm. They had an okay season, a weird season last season. We talked a little bit about in our uh, recap of things. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. Um, but they have a pretty straightforward start against Aston Villa, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, it seems like a very straightforward three points. Yeah, yeah. So Aston Villa were promoted through the playoff this season, or last season from the championship. Um, They conceded the most goals out of any of the teams that finished in the top six from the uh, championship, because as we know, the top two goes through automatically, and then the next four play in the playoff. They conceded the most goals out of any of those teams. Uh, with 62 they scored 87 so um they can score but they're losing their top scorer <laughs> yeah. abraham um he scored 26 goals from last season um so they're losing their top scorer and at the same time they've also spent the second most so far in the premier league for this summer they've spent 170 million dollars um they were first for the entire summer up until uh, United um, with their transfer of Harry Maguire. So uh, you're, we hope that they're not pulling a Fulham from last season where they just spent <laughs> a crazy amount of money and there was just still a lot of holes. But I think the difference is they didn't spend all of their money on attackers <laughs> and midfielders. Um, yeah. So, um, but definitely you'd have to say Tottenham are getting uh, one of the more, probably the most comfortable start. Um yeah, I agree many, with that. Yeah, they're, they're you know they're playing at home. They're playing uh, the, the quote unquote worst of the three teams that got um, promoted this uh, from last season. But I, I think uh, you know just a few questions from for this game um, is you know who's starting at fullback for for Tottenham. Um, 
they had Backs, especially on the the right hand side yeah yeah um correct me if i'm wrong but i believe walker peters um had an injury recently um i could be totally wrong i, I think i think you're right i i you'd have to correct me if i'm wrong on that too but i <laughs> i want to say that you're you're definitely correct no it was not him it was fourth fourth got injured Fourth got injured, which means Walker oh, Peters is going to okay. have to play. So, so you know, their, their fullback is still a really big question mark, and they still have Danny Rose. I have no idea if he is leaving this club or not. Um, like, you really haven't heard that much from him. I mean, at the beginning yeah. of the summer, it was like he was out the door, but not so much anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there's there's some questions on, on that side. Um, I, I, again, don't think it's going to be necessarily – uh, very pressing for the first game of the season. Um, I, I think we should still expect them to be able to get past Aston Villa, but um, I, I think there's a slight just question on those on those uh, fullback positions. Um, and then also another one is yeah, you know, who's playing with Kane up top? Is he is he alone? Are we seeing Son and Kane together? Um, no, dude. Plot twist. Kane doesn't play. Remember? Uh, you oh, well, well, I mean, if they want to win, you know, they don't play him. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, that's that's too taboo for for this day and age. You can't play. They, they would never. <laughs> it's too taboo. So there's like something against playing your best goal scorer that people are just afraid of. Yeah, yeah you should you should go on and become a manager. See yeah, how that works yeah, out. yeah. Well, I mean. I'm a manager every day. Ever heard of football manager? Just stop. Yeah, stop. That, that counts. What do you mean that counts? But uh, of I, course that counts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've won the Champions League three times. <laughs> so I mean, I think With, I know, uh, I think I know a bit about managing, Elias. All right. I'm but, I'm sure it's exactly like football manager, but please continue. But I think I think uh, it's it's interesting to see who they might play up top. Um, whether it's whether we get Kane, Lucas, and Son, um, Lamella has been playing a fair amount. That uh, there's like a lot of these teams, like the especially the teams that we think are the three best. They have, as you'd expect, a lot of options um, in the attacking sense, but not necessarily. But at least for Tottenham, not necessarily knowing which one is actually the best. Um, yeah. We know that it's Kane and a combination of Lucas, Lamella, and Son, right? Um, and then obviously Erickson somewhere in there, as long as he's still on the team, right? Yeah, we'll see. Well, here's the thing. I'm I'm of the assumption right now that the current players on their roster are going to be the current players that are going to be involved with the first weekend of the Premier League. And when I say that, I mean... I'm assuming Erickson maybe doesn't leave right now, and I'm assuming that right, the because, players right. that well, we'll because, see, La Liga, but, because La Liga's La Liga, or it, or I mean, if he's if he's going to La Liga, if he's going to any place other than England, they still right, have time. Right. He, can, he can still be sold because yes, La Liga yeah. trade deadline September second. So my point is that any player that comes into Spurs on by Thursday more than likely won't be playing on the weekend. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's not yeah, worth mentioning any names that they're linked with. Right. Um, and assuming that someone like Erickson might be around and playing this weekend. So right. um, that was my point. But um, I, my, I'm personally of the opinion that 
and I think I don't know how many Spurs fans would agree with me that Lamella should start either this game or consistently in general. I know he had his injury problems last season, but Lamella is one of those players that can give you a lot of creativity between the midfield line and the attacking third. And I feel as though having someone like Sun and Kane sort of in a dual striker type situation with Lamella sitting behind them could work really well. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but that that's just my personal thinking. Yeah, well, my thoughts are uh, it doesn't seem like we're going to have to worry about that problem because I forgot that Hunmin Son is actually uh, suspended for the first three games of the season. <laughs> he had a red card in the last game of the season last year. I completely oh my forgot God, about that. Wow. He's gone for the first three wow, games. Wow, yeah. I guess we're seeing Kane, some combination of Kane, Lamella, and Mora. Right? Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, I guess just swap Sun and and Mora in that, but yeah. more long term, my point still stands. But no, I totally course, forgot that he got a red card. Yeah, he did. He did. So, so I mean, so for at least this week, I, I'm guessing we'll probably see Kane and Mora up top, Kane and uh, Lucas Mora up top, yeah, and um, perhaps Lamella sitting behind them. Maybe they play. Maybe they play. Uh, Maybe we play like a front three. Well, well. Sorry, maybe, what? If the yeah, yeah. Let's let's not well, let's not show them how the uh, <laughs> sausage is pulled. Um, <laughs> but no, I think like perhaps maybe they play those three up top along the line. Like maybe Lamella comes in from the left and more from the right or something like that. But um, assuming that Erickson's on the yeah. team. Um, in that center mid, we'd obviously be seeing Ndombele, who's looked very good for them um, so far. Fantastic player. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming we're seeing he's going to start. And then outside of him, I'm – I Deli Alley, I, I imagine he starts as well, right? You'd think so, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced of Pochettino's plans here. Um, but I, I would probably – Assume that he starts. Yeah. So, I, so I'm guessing we get some combination of Al of Ali and Dombele and perhaps Erickson. If, if uh, yeah, for, assuming he's there, we're gonna. I, I would say it's in Dombele, Ali, Erickson. Um, right. Well, where, where do you maybe think? It's, maybe it's Soko. Yeah. Up. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, um, I, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I don't think that. Play. I think because I think Ndombele is an absolute lock that he starts. For sure. Yeah, that's very fair. And then I think if I mean if he's there, then I think Erickson's also an absolute lock. I think Erickson is. Well, who? Well, who would be he? be a lock four, right? Because would he be they playing center mid or, or attacking mid, I guess is the question, right? So you're saying, so assume Lucas Moore and Harry Kane start up top, right? right. Then you have Ndombele, Erickson, Sissoko, Winks, and Deli Alley as potential people that could start in midfield, right? Right. So out of those five, who are you going to pick as, I guess, the three? The, the three, three I, I mean, or the four, yeah, the four I guess guys. It's a three. because those guys are set. I mean, most of those guys are central, right? Central, players. right, right. So, yeah, so it, I guess who would you pick in that three? I, I'm thinking it's gonna, 
Well, I'm thinking it's going to be Ndombele, Ali, and Erickson. I Would I go with that? Because I don't know if I would go with that because that puts a lot of pressure on Ndombele, who's not necessarily a guy who who's like um, – holding mid necessarily like he he seemingly goes box to box so right um so yeah, that would be a lot of him, but yeah that would be a lot of that'd be a lot of um pressure on him to kind of hold the fort in the midfield so i i would guess the, probably the best um way to go would probably be in dombele sissoko and erickson and then lamella on the bench then lamella on the bench um and perhaps Ali sitting in behind um, Lucas and Kane. I think that I think that's probably what the midfield and, and attack ends up looking like. Got it. Got it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a slightly different route. I think that's likely what Pochettino is gonna actually do. Your lineup, right. my preferred lineup, however, would be Ndombele, um, Lamella, Erickson, Ali. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that we'll likely gonna see that. Um, at least in the near term slash short term, but yeah. I think that I think that Erickson offers you a lot going forward. Obviously, and Dombele is a workhorse. Lamella is creative in sort of some sort of pseudo false, not false nine, but sort of a pseudo ten role. Right, um, and then Deli Ali behind him um, works really well because he is obviously creative and is physically able to run a lot. Yeah. Um, that's that's my two cents. Yeah, I think your Lamella points are really interesting. I'm really interested to see what his role is this season because it seems like for the last two or three years, right, it's felt like this this guy he feels like he should be better than what he is, right? Than what he's yeah. shown. Than what he's shown at least. Right. And he's, he's shown flashes of it. Yeah, yeah. Flashes. Like really like like very good flashes. It it feels like he just needs to be consistently starting for us to know what he is. And, right. and I think this could be the season. This could be a season that he gets consistent playing time in one position and is in the starting lineup um, week in and week out. And I think that's the only way we find out. Um, I think he's. I think he's a very nice player. I, I, we don't know if he's a game changing player. Yet. I, I'm still going to say I don't know. I'm not, and cause I don't want to say that he isn't because I just don't think that he's played enough um, consistently. So I think there's still a chance that he is. Yeah, is that Lamella right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting kickbacks for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll be we'll be taking phone calls and guest appearances soon. So yeah. uh, Lamella can hold yeah. the phone. Any any player that needs me to just say great things about them on this podcast, I will I will gladly take. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a half of a percent of your uh, wages. For like two, <laughs> for like two months, pay. for like two months, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's enough to pay rent. <laughs> yeah, easily. <laughs> oh man. So, well, so I think we're I think we're we're looking at a, at a at a comfortable ton of win. I'm gonna say two two nothing. Okay. All right. That's not, yeah. maybe, not too bad. Maybe a late maybe a late goal from Aston Villa makes it makes it interesting two one. But I'm gonna say two nothing. Okay. I'm actually gonna go with the two one. Not necessarily because I think there there might be a late goal or anything, but I think Aston Villa might on the counter or something, be able to fashion something um, that the chance of them getting a goal, I think in my opinion are pretty low, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because well, why not? Right. Um, 
<laughs> we'll see. I, I I really don't think that yeah they're going to have much of a, a shot here. Yeah, but. they're they're going to struggle to score this season. Abraham accounted for thirty percent of their goals last year. So exactly, exactly. When you lose that kind of person, then it's it's an uphill battle. Right. So those are predictions for the Spurs Aston Villa game. We're going to move on to their bitter North London rivals, the Gunners against Newcastle United. Um, a lot of changes for Arsenal in the summer. Um, new players, sort of this new mentality, if you will, of uh, kicking out Koscielny, i.e. <laughs> players that uh, seem to oh, disrespect he, the badge in some way. Yeah, I mean, well, he wanted to leave. He was, he was trying yeah. to leave. I mean, the way he left was really... It was not great. It was not great. He was, he was literally, he was, you know, he was trying to force his way out, pretty much. Yeah, of a club that he's been at for a really long time, yeah. which is just a shame. Yeah, like you don't. No one, no one ever really wants to see that, unless your name is Neymar and you want to come back to Barcelona. Just <laughs> oh, let me know. Oh, jeez, <laughs> disgusting. Uh, disgusting. But anyway, we're talking about Arsenal. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on the last couple of weeks for them? And and you know they played against Barcelona recently in the Juan Gamper Trophy, a little friendly at Camp Nou. Yeah. Um, but Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe, an incredible front three, really. Um, Sabios behind them with Jaka Torreira. What what do you expect from them in this game? Um, I I I think on normal circumstances, I expect them to score. Uh, I expect them to just absolutely destroy Newcastle because you know Newcastle finished thirteenth last season with a squad that really greatly overachieved according to advanced metrics. They were sixteenth in expected points. And then they decided not to renew the contract of Benitez, who got them back into the Premier League. Uh because yeah. their owner is just is an absolute quack, dude. Um <laughs> <laughs> I have never used the, or seen the word quack used as an adjective yeah, but I no, love it. No, I've, no, I I rarely use it myself, but uh my granddad <laughs> my granddad's been using it a fair amount recently when he, he when he whenever he talks about his doctors, he talks he says they're quacks, which is just hilarious. And what do you expect from Dude, uh, once, an, once I get to that age an eighty plus year old man? Yeah. But yeah, so they yeah, I, I want to be able to make up words. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so they overachieved and then they went out and sold their two highest goal scorers from this season from this past season, Jose Perez, who had twelve goals. Um he go he went to Leicester and Solomon Rondon, who had eleven goals, and he's off to China as well. Um and their their third highest goal scorer was their center back. Fabian Scher, who had, you guess it, four goals. Third place was four goals in their, their team. They were the worst team nice. in the league um, in terms of expected goals last year. So so uh, it, they did bring in a couple of forwards to possibly replace that production. Uh, Joel Linton, who's a Brazilian uh, forward from Hoffenheim, 22, and then um, Alan Saint-Maximin from... Uh, from uh, Nice, who's also 22, so who knows? Uh, I think they're really going to struggle to score goals this season. I, If we uh, were to predict teams that were going to get relegated, I think they will be would be one of the three teams, I would guess, that gets relegated. So I, I think on normal circumstances, Arsenal should score a lot this weekend and, and win very easily. But 
They're playing at St. James well, Park. You say, you say normal circumstances. Normal circumstances, but they're playing at St. James Park. There it which is. Which is such a weird place. They get very weird results there at times. Um, I remember 2014-15, Chelsea came into uh, their game against Newcastle. They hadn't lost a game all season. This was... This must. Have, this was about thirteen or fourteen games into the season, and amazingly, they lose one nothing to Newcastle. We saw the year after that, last day of the season, Tottenham's trying to get second place, um, trying to finish above Arsenal for the first time in forever. I mean, which is you know now they've done the last three seasons, so not not as life or death anymore. Ouch. But at that time, <laughs> but at that time, they're they're trying to do something they hadn't done before, and. They lose that game uh, 5-2 when Newcastle was at 10 men for most of the, the match. So that was at St. <laughs> James Park. You know, there's just some weird stuff to go. Liverpool barely got away with the win there last year. They, they won on, like a free, on a free kick um, on a Rigi goal in the last uh, couple minutes of that game or else they would have lost or they would have uh, drawn that game and would have fallen farther back from City. So St. James Park is a very weird place. No matter how bad Newcastle is, they seem to somehow get a decent result against um, a very good team. So I think I think this ends up being an actually very close game. Uh, I think I think Arsenal maybe just squeak out, but I'm very interested to see um, if we get the debut of Pepe. I'm really interested to see how him, Lacazette, and Aubameyang fit up top together um, because I think we imagine that probably um, Aubameyang, who played some time at left at left wing last season, um, in some games where him and Lacazette start together, he starts out on the left wing. But um, it's very interesting because they need to have a lot of space. Like those three guys are all central guys. Um, Pepe cuts in from the right. Uh, Aubameyang is obviously right. going to occupy the center because you know he. Yeah, you're not going to have your leading goal scorer just be out on the left wing, right? <laughs> so he so he needs to come into the center. And Lacazette obviously also a central um, attacking player, central forward. So they're almost going to mirror Liverpool. They like those three guys talent wise. I think actually are very close to that Liverpool front three. Um, in terms of... Goal, yeah, in, in, yeah, I, I, I honestly do believe talent-wise, I think ta- just pure talent-wise, not necessarily saying how they might fit together playing together because we don't know that yet. But talent-wise, I think those three guys right. are very, very close to the to Liverpool. Like, I think... I really think this team... We said it in the preview. I they, I think they need to score eighty goals to finish top four, and I think they really could score yeah. eighty goals. I think they, I think they could score eighty to eighty-five goals this season. But um, I, I for think, sure, I think in terms of talent, I think they're really close. I'm really interested to see how it works because the thing we also talked about with Liverpool, the reason why those three guys get the space in there to operate in that middle of the field is because the width is provided by the fullbacks. And uh, I'm not sure if Arsenal's fullbacks are – well, not even not sure. I know they're not as good as, as Alexander Arnold <laughs> and Robertson, right? Um, right. I mean, Bellerin is very good. Bellerin is, is, is a very good attacking uh, right back. So I, if he's fully healthy, you know, he's coming back from an ACL injury. So that stuff always takes a long time to get fully 
you know, back to yourself, right? Yeah. I, I think he is someone who can provide the uh, the width on that side that opens up space in the middle, at least for Pepe, right? Um, for sure. At left back, we still have we have the question marks there, like who is going to be Arsenal's left back there, linked with um, Tierney from Celtic, who's a left back. So perhaps he comes in. We, he's, he's almost definitely not playing this weekend, but just going forward. Right. Um, I do think they end up getting him. Yeah, he comes in and is someone who provides that width on that side. And, you know, is he as good as uh, Andrew Robinson? No, I I don't know because I'm not – I can say proudly that I don't watch the Scottish Premier League. So (laughs) Proudly, my God. You're just making enemies. But but I know that that Bellerin is maybe close to as good as as Alexander-Arnold, but, I I mean, I think we – I mean, I don't think we're being disrespectful to say that Alexander Arnold is absolutely better than Hector Bellerin. So, right? No, I, I, I don't think we are. I think most people would agree with that, right? Both based on form and individual talent. Yeah. Alone. So, what's going to be the most important for those three guys of Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Pepe is the width, the attacking width that's provided that allows them to operate in that middle of the attacking third, right? Because if those guys on the outside are not um, providing you much, then there's no reason for defenders to really come out to them on crosses. Like that's, that's the big thing. The crosses, like the crosses from uh, Bayern and uh, whoever's playing at left back for Arsenal, you know, for you to have three guys who are so um, reliant on their touches centrally. And that's, you know, three guys who score goals who are very good finishers and need to operate in the box without, you know, running into each other and, and taking up each other's space. You need the guys on the outside to be able to provide uh, great service and provide a real threat that makes defenders come out to them and open up stuff in the channels. So that's, that's a big question for me. I, I'm interested. I'm really interested to see how they set it up. Like I'm, they're really, really an interesting team to me just because I, they think they have so much attacking talent Um and I, and I'm just really interested to see how Emery sets everything else up. And I mean, especially their their back line, yeah, being back, a question mark. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, and we know, and we know the back line's a massive question mark. We know, we know that they're going into this season basically saying we're just going to try to outscore everyone, which you know, obviously everyone tries to outscore everyone, but <laughs> but. Um, they're so basically putting their, playing, they're putting, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically playing sports. Um, they're, they're yeah. obviously <laughs> putting like 80% of their focus on attacking though. Right. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm interested in what you think of their midfield, right? How do you think they're going to set up in the center of midfield? Because that's, that's also something that's really complicated because they need to have a lot of uh, of solidity in that area because their center backs are so questionable, right? Yeah, well, it's no secret that I'm a big Ceballos fan, so that's not going to go anywhere. I think Ceballos ends up probably starting this weekend. He didn't start in their last friendly um, this past weekend, but I do end up. I do think he ends up starting this weekend next to Xhaka and Torreira. Um, Xhaka being the, 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 the holding mid 
um, that sits back and does a lot of the cleanup and dirty work, um, which he is so incredibly good at tackling. Um, so props to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who you know three plus years in the league, and I'm still yet to see him win a tackle. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just saying to our listeners, just, just keep an eye on it. Just, just tell me if if someone sees him win a tackle, just if they could send me a, a video or tweet anything. You know, I just, I've not seen it yet. I'm sure he does win sometimes, but I physically never seen it when i've watched the games so just to never seen him win one well i probably could do a quick google search and find <laughs> you one but sure yeah, yeah. if you want to if you want to go but, but but regardless of that my point is i think that ceballos and Torreira offer a lot going forward in combination with the front three mm-hmm. because like you said it almost feels as though their number one goal is to just simply outscore the other team regardless of how much they concede so if you want to do that, Ceballos, who has the technical ability to connect the lines as well as he does, along with Terreira's tenacity and running all over the place to find passes, to find players. Yeah, Terreira's great. Terreira's great. Terreira's exactly. the type of player they've been looking for for years. So like, so Right. He, it's, I mean, it's a shame he didn't play as much as he did in – um uruguay's copa america well disaster quite frankly um but he he is exactly the player that arsenal will thrive to have this season um which is why we obviously have well, him there, in our there, there's going to be even more pressure on him this year i think just because of how much they're going to rely on those uh those front three guys yeah yeah that is true i do think that they end up making it work just the, the when i say that i mean the unit of the midfield mm-hmm. um because they also have someone in mesut ozil who can come off the bench um when needed but it's my, my biggest fear is that emery ends up starting ozil and this is a long-term issue that i can see happening and it almost feels as though he's on his last thread with the fans um, and almost with the club. And so if he starts having a dip in form, then what do you do? Do you just bench him and leave him there for the rest of the season type yeah. thing? Or no, so, do you, it, it's a very, it's a, it's an iffy situation. No, so opinion. actually, so actually the, the, the thing that was so much different than in the past, like, I mean, we saw it last season. Ozo actually wasn't given that long, that really long leash. Right. Um, he, very early in the season, Emery went after him. Like he, he, yeah. he stopped playing him. Um, so I, so that's, that's the, I mean, that's what should have been happening in all honesty, the last, the, maybe a season before that, a season or two before that, um, he mm-hmm. stopped playing him in the big games, which, which is the right thing to do. He, he, he's, we talked about this. He's a luxury player. He's absolutely a luxury player. If your team's not fantastic around him and you can cover up all of his lack of trying to run back and also, you know, <laughs> he's, he's not someone who shoots much or is good at shooting. He's <laughs> just going to, he just, he plays great passes. Um, and if you don't have like guys making the types of runs that he loves to just play, you know, then he's a luxury. He's an absolute luxury. So I, I don't yeah. think, I don't think Ozil's going to get in the way of Ceballos this season. I don't think, I don't think so at all. Um, I think I think the midfield that we end up seeing is probably Terrera, Shaka, and um, 
and Ceballos, probably those three, and then yep, and then you have three of um, Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Pepe up front. But you know they have a lot of variability in how they can set up the midfield attack. I'm just curious to see which combinations end up being more effective. Like Mkhitaryan, where does he fit in? Like I, 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 I think it. he rots on the bench at this point because he has okay. just not been up yeah. for the last several games that he's played um, for Arsenal. And I don't see a situation in which, I mean, of course anyone can regain their form or anything like that, but I'm just saying I haven't been impressed with him over the last couple of games, last couple of months. Um, and I don't see a situation in which he starts other than maybe against bot- bottom half teams. Um and it's a shame because I at once when he was at United, I did think of him as a as a top class player, um, and even when he was at Dortmund too. But it seems as though it hasn't been working out recently, and it, it could be a little bit of me just jumping on his his back a little bit here. But you have to prove it with performances when you're given given those chances, and I I don't think that he has done that so much recently. But I know at the same time he has quality in him. So maybe it could be a bit of a tactical thing because he's used to playing a little bit further up the pitch. Whereas now if you have a front three of Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, how how much are you going to really get up further up the pitch right. um, for for him? So I'm interested to see how he, he works in too. But I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, I mean, and either way, he's a really good option to have rotation wise so yeah yeah exactly and you need people to, to rotate especially when you're competing um in europe regardless of whether it's a europa league or um or the champions league or anything like that but we'll see yeah i think we're i, I mean i think we're still going for there they're probably winning the game right i i at worst i'll go is i'll say one nothing just because i like i said st james is a weird place yeah i think i think one nil is is a is a fair scoreline. This is the one game where I'm actually going to go with a one-one draw. Um, okay. Even though Newcastle definitely, like you said, aren't great at scoring goals, um, their their stadium it it it's it's weird, um, and I don't think that Arsenal have um, anywhere near a top class defense or anything that even remotely resembles a, a defense. So uh, I'm going to go with a one-one tie. All right. All right, with that, that wraps up our entire Premier League preview for the first weekend of the season. We'll be back in a couple of days with a recap of the transfer window, specifically in the Premier League, talking about any links that may or may not have happened, some final transfers that might happen over the next 24 to 48 hours, and then we will see what happens this weekend. So we'll be back with one more podcast later this week. Please, if you have not yet, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. We are now on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud and soon to be coming on Spotify. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Signing off, Ellie Seckley here with Rion. Thanks, guys.